Don't ever let it drop. Sooner or later, it has to drop. Welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColdSplantation.com, and I'm joining my co-host Martin. How's it going? And actually, I should have let Martin uh, do the lead-up for this episode, because he's the one that picked this episode. And I said that when we uh, did the intro for the this new episode, I was going to just put out a disclaimer saying that if this episode fails miserably, <laughs> Martin is the one that picked the film for it. So you can blame it all on him. You know, so if, if there's no traffic, if we uh, we see that no one's downloading this episode, we know why that is. Well, Ms. Martin, you're wrong. There's no reason this episode is going to fail. Just saying, it's a perfect episode. It's a it's a a uh, movie that we wouldn't normally cover. It's not something that we would pick. Have we not routinely. done? Have we not done '90s Mirror Max films before? Like the same like type of cast we have um so instead of it just being a slasher film it's rob cop and i was i was kind of looking at what we've done previously and we've done a few films that are sort of in this wheelhouse but not really i mean we i would say that this is probably going to be uh the first film that's really ventured outside of the normal stuff that we do um cats and dogs being another one <laughs> does anybody remember the episode we did on cats and dogs i do the jeff goldblum month, month that we did the first goldblum month i honestly cats and dogs is a, sort of a blur to me so i don't even remember the episode at all i'd have to go back and listen and see what how it was because I feel like it wasn't that great it's probably a shorter episode i i feel like it was but not see a, when we suggest when we we Pitched the idea of us both saying we want to do a Jeff Goldblum month. I randomly threw Cats and Dogs out there because I remember him clearly seeing him in theaters, watching Cats and Dogs and being Jeff Goldblum's quirky dad in that. He's a scientist, and you're like, really? I'm like, yeah, he's in that movie. And you're like, well, let's do that. And I'm like, I don't know if it's, we get a lot of mileage out of it, but you, well, let's do it. Why not? You know. Well, you know what? We're sort of in the opposite now. You were the one that threw out this episode, and you were the one that was saying. You know what we should do? We should do a romantic comedy. A 90s romantic comedy. Because you know what? I think the people, you get tired. You get tired of the same old, same old slog. Honestly, though, I'm going to use today's episode. Especially seeing as you can't, you can't throw a like, bandy about here saying, well, it's not out of our wheelhouse. Listen, why are we doing the Marvel and DC films? Yeah. Clicks. That's true. We hopped on that bandwagon, you know, with Civil War, and, you know, now we're like, oh, yeah, we're also the comic guys, too, you know, we love to do but, comic films, too, but, you know, you know the, the whole, the, the original premise of this podcast of being about, like, your Z-list, Jallo, horror, and all, it's gone. We kind of just do whatever the fuck we feel like. Well, what I said was, I'm going to use this episode of a romantic comedy 
as part of an advertisement for Bloody Micro Podcast because we're going to say how many podcasts have done Mako, <laughs> uh, Django the Bastard, and also She's All That in the scope of their podcast. I would say we're probably the only podcast doing this shit. <laughs> to be honest, like some of the shit that we do is just so out there and different from what other people are covering that I just, I'm kind of proud of it. Well again, well, again, because as I told you, as we were watching the movie, after this, we're moving into Halloween territory where we're going to be doing another fucking marathon, which we haven't revealed yet, but we're going to be doing like another fucking marathon. Yeah. And it's not going to be any glitz and glam or anything. So you're, you know you're what? Right. So you know what? Let's have a little, little levity. You know. So we decided... Some nice popcorn fun yeah. to enjoy. We decided we're going to do a nice, lighthearted, romantic comedy. Um, and plus, if you are like us, children of the 90s and 2000s, she's all that, as I'm getting very rhiny right now with the gassy burps. <laughs> she's all that is an iconic film. It is. I think it's One kind of... One that I had never seen. Really? I had never seen She's All That. See, that's why nope. I pushed it so hard. Honestly, you know what? I, this is like a big blank space in my... Uh, my this is the film pretty, watching. This is the pretty and pink of the nineties. It sure, it certainly is. I mean, they mention it in the film, but it's definitely the she's a, or the pretty and pink of the nineties, which would then become later on in the two thousands. They would say like, oh, this is the she's all that of the two thousands, you know. So it definitely is. This film is so big. The the main crux of the parody of not another teen movie is she's all that. There's a bunch of nineties ro- romantic comedies parodied in it, but the main crux of the film. She's all that. And I have to say that... Which I'm is li- Chris Evans' breakout film. <laughs> I'm a little ashamed that I hadn't seen She's All That. Um, just because it is like a big film from the 90s that you would expect me to have seen. Especially, you know, cult film fan and, and everything else. Coming but, out of the Miramax, you know, yeah, house at the time. One of those things that I never... They could do no Maybe more. it was that big blocky font. Immediately, even as a 11-year-old kid, I was like, fuck that big blocky font. Well, you yeah, obviously didn't hit puberty yet. If yeah. you're like, I don't care about Rachel Lee Cook. I guess that's true as well. Yeah. Um. So with uh, She's All That, I mean, like I said, I had never seen it before. You had really talked me into doing this for the episode. Uh, and you had sold it as sort of like, um, you know, we love Mean Girls as well. So why not do She's All That for the show? And I was well, like, it's nothing like Mean Girls. It mean, isn't any, yeah, mean Girls is its own special, beautiful film. It's, it, but I think that the the idea behind what you said is true. She's all that. If I had looked at the cover, I would have thought basic rom-com. And I probably wouldn't have ventured out to see it. But when you put it in a context of it's like Mean Girls, sort of, in the same situational uh, way that – I would expect Mean Girls to not be something that I would really be interested in, and yet I love the film. I think you have a point there that Thank this you. is not just a film for teenage girls. That you like some other rom coms of the '90s, and as you, as you mentioned, The Princess Diaries and things like that. It's not that. It's it's never more been, so uh, never been kissed yeah. and things I hate about. It's you. it's more so suited for everybody. It's not just a a. a a film that would be more interesting to women. It's not a film that's more interesting to guys. It's it's very much um, down the line, very funny '90s rom com, 
And I, I do like that you would – like this is something that really took me out of – I probably would never have watched it on my own. I probably would never have just been like, you know, I've never seen She's All That. Let me pop it on. You know, that would not be something that I got a Saturday night while I'm sitting alone in the dark. I'm going to pop on She's All That tonight. But I'm glad <laughs> us guys got together <laughs> with a couple of beers and a beef stew and watched it. Beef soup, wasn't yeah. stew. Yeah. Mm, stewy. Um, and a lot of beans and like lentils and such. Because like I said, I would never have watched it myself, but I am glad to have experienced it. And uh, like I said, it's a little bit strange to do for the Blood and Black Rum podcast, but it does make sense. We're going lighthearted. In the next eight weeks, we're going to do a whole bunch of gory horror movies and stuff like that. So why not do a little bit of a lighthearted uh, 90s fun for this episode. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. So you had seen it a lot, right? You, you've seen it a few times. I've seen it like four or five times. And when did you... Not... Have- not I haven't probably seen it in like a decade. Mm-hmm. But I've seen it like four or five and, times. And when did you like first venture out to see it? How, how did that occur where you were like, I'm going to watch She's All That? I think I saw it like when I was like 10. 10 or 11, it was just a movie like my parents. I mean, that makes sense. It came Par- out in 1999. You would have been 10 when it came out. Yeah, par- so. parents rented it, I think, or something, just as like something to fucking watch. Mm-hmm. Um, even though like at that time, usually it was like, I'm, I was kind of saying like, yeah, fuck the movies. I'm looking at the 64 games, you know. Um, video world excursion. Yeah, so yeah, I, absolutely. Your dad's shop was closed down at that point. So, yep. um, But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's about it. It'd be either that or I caught it on TV at some point. And so after you saw it, you were like, oh, this is a great movie. Even at 10. You, I probably didn't know. I, yeah, honest, I mean, I, I, honestly, at that, like when you're that young. I yeah. Um, That's what I mean. It's, it's, it's more like, it's like it's, you know, if it wasn't like a Space Jam or something, you know. <laughs> That's what I was getting at, though. Like at 10, I don't know if you would have been able to really the appreciate the nuance no, of it. No, but as I've gotten older, like, you know, watching it, Yes. You know, like like being like fifteen, watching it's like yeah, you know, it's kind of like a and and perhaps the I, it's like because the premise seems so fucking stupid, right? You know, like this and I guess, it's again, it's not this film. It's like a lot of movies and TV shows where they got these pretty girls like Rachel Lee Cook and whatnot, being like, oh, they're the ugly duckling that no one understands. You know, I remember the same thing too, like with like Lizzie McGuire, like oh, that Hillary Duff, she's just the nerd that no one understands. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's in your full of shit. No. No. Same thing with, like, Rachel Lee Cook. Like, no. You, t- you telling me, like, no one through- could see through her overalls? Like, oh, yeah, she does have boobies. <laughs> like I said, most Instagram influencers now are, like, trying to dress like Rachel Lee Cook. Well, because, again, yes. because, again, it's funny because if you think of, like, beauty, st- like, tropes, 90s, like, oh, no, why are you wearing glasses? Have you tried contacts? Now it's, like, people wear glasses just, like, because, like, oh, you have glasses? Like, do you have something wrong with your- No, it just adds to the look. Because, you know, geek chic's, you know, totally in, so. I do like how Martin's, you can't see it, but Martin's doing, like, Vogue poses over here just to, because he's wearing glasses. I wore But gla- he absolutely needs them. Yeah, because I'm, <laughs> I'm blind as a fucking bat, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean. It's just, it's, it's just it's, again, it's just, like, it's just, like, stuff like that that kind of, like, always grinds my gears. Kind of like I I hate that trope of like like playing like oh like oh the pretty girl who, like you know kind of like with like Cinderella mm-hmm. obviously like Cinderella is like supposed to be like oh she's the ugly poor girl that no one understands it's like no she's not really yeah yeah like full of shit and everybody knows but like, this film you know kind of you know is playing it for laughs sure I, I I mean I do think that you know obviously people 
that when they cast Rachel Lee Cook, it was like, we have to make her super nerdy. How do we do that? And so they did, I feel like they did a pretty good job. I mean, like she is a, uh, at the beginning of the film, she is more of a nerdy type person. Uh, I say bitchy. <laughs> but, 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 but I think every girl in this film is practically bitchy. You know, whether they're popular or not, they're all just bitchy. 90s syndrome. Yeah, you know, just being like, <laughs> totally. No. Well, well I mean, you know. they are also the rich elite of California. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, as we'll talk about, their schools. Yeah, know. they're the 1% of this, this area. But, uh, um, but, but no, she she's nerdy, but it's at the point where it's like it's the kind of things that would get me annoyed. Like, yeah, okay, I'm fine with you, you know, talking about let's you know help the whales and stuff. But like, if you're just sitting there ranting about it over and over, it's like shut the hell up. It's the know? dolphins, by the way. She's a, she's concerned about the dolphins. Well, even her best friend is like, okay, yeah, it's not dolphin, you know, it's dolphin safe too. All my little, you know, and she's like, I don't get, you know, I don't care anymore. Yeah. You know, but it's just. The whole like it's more like the whole California. Mersbau would be happy. That whole like California. Well, that's a big thing over in Japan too. Yeah, just you know, killing. dolphin killing. Yeah. Um. So one th- actually one thing that I do remember about she's all that though was that I do remember the the box art for it because I always I always and still do think that it looks like conjoined twins. It's actually a monster. Fred, you know it's. Yeah, it's a Freddie Prince Jr. Rachel Lee Rachel Cook. Lee Cook monster. Yeah, yeah, it's they're actually combined together. Yeah, it's, it's actually a hor- it's kind of like basket cakes. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? Yeah, yeah, you've got that one, uh, you know, <laughs> one twin that's sort of evil, and the other one that's trying to trying to help it. Um, all right, let's uh, let's take a break real quick, and we'll talk about the beer that we had on the show today because we did have a new one, and we're sort of entering into territory where. Uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to try to shift out of not having a beer to having all kinds of uh, Oktoberfests for the September and October months as we're doing our Halloween shows um, with all the horror movies that we're doing. But this week, we are at least not having an Oktoberfest and going with a different type of beer, um, one that I picked up when I was in Maryland. Um, I went to Maryland this past weekend. And as I do pretty much any time I go on vacation or go to a new place, I try to pick up some local beers if I'm uh, in the area where I can stop and grab something from a liquor store or a beer place or a packy, if you, as they call them in Massachusetts. Oh, what? A packy. Package store. That's what they call them. Um, so I try. I, that I, makes me hate ma- the re- New England region. Yeah, because they can't sell them in like. Uh, they don't sell them in grocery stores. No, I know no, that. No but beer in no, no, I know that. I, I do know that. But the fact a packy. That's what they call went it. Went to the packy, got him a carriage, and went to. Yeah, the- yeah that's what they call it. Ugh. But uh, so in Maryland, I did stop at a, a beer store, a liquor store, and I grabbed um, a couple different things. I grabbed Declaw Brewing's Oktoberfest, which we're not talking about on the show. White Claw? No, Duclaw. The Claw? Duclaw. The One Claw? Yeah. The White Claw? Duclaw is probably like, fuck, I wish we didn't name ourselves Duclaw now. <laughs> uh, no, I grabbed the Duclaw Oktoberfest. When, when are we going to start reviewing White Claw? Yeah, whenever you bring it on the show. All right, that's next time. Um, and then the other one that I grabbed, which we did do on the show today, was um, from another Baltimore, Maryland brewery, Monument Brewery. And uh, they had a rye India Pale Ale. It's called 51 Rye. And... I believe that this is a is really in, good rye India Pale Ale. Is an India Pale Ale an IPA? Yeah. 
Okay, it is. I was just wondering. It's a rye IPA. I was just wondering because you spelled it out. This time. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Just because it was rye India Pale Ale. I didn't want to say rye pale ale because it's not correct. Or riper. Right. Yeah, I could say riper. It's a rye India Pale Ale. Uh, so the name means that there's 51% rye in it, mm. obviously. And um, I really enjoyed this beer. I thought it was really good. It's a nice medium-bodied beer. I think it's about 6%. And it is – does it taste it? No, it's, it's not super alcoholic, but um, it does have that nice rye uh, character to it with the uh, IPA element in the hops not super prominent, but uh, the hops prominent enough where you get both the rye flavor and the hoppy flavor of it. I'd agree. I'm a big fan of rye IPAs. I, I like my rye beers. Um, a little disappointing. It's not as like rye as like the Ruthless Rye from Sierra Nevada. But I understand they all can't be like that. Yeah, and also sometimes I find the Ruthless Rye is a little too rye. Well, it's very peppery. It's, it's it, very strong. With like, you know, it's like, as you were saying, as you were eating your nice beef soup with your ooh, peppercorn, yeah, a little peppercorn, you know, that's how yeah. rye the Ruthless and, Rye is. And sometimes with the Ruthless Rye, you're just not, you just don't want that. You don't want a super you know, overpowering well, it's also rye. Like an, it's also a double IPA, so. Yeah, it's just an intense. But this is good. It's very drinkable. I almost say... Kind of sessionable. Yeah, I would say sessionable. Uh, sure. Even with how high alcohol content that it has, it's um, got a nice rye, rye forward t- profile, uh, light hops on the back, little nice malt on the back as well. Um, yeah. It's not if you're kind of if you're not that the biggest fan of rye, but you want to try something, I'd say try this. It's actually pretty good. You know, it's got enough of a rye taste that if you're a fan of rye, you know, as a style, that you would enjoy it. I think it's kind of something that kind of would wane you, like, you know, like get you into rye if you're kind of skeptical about it. Yeah, because rye isn't over, like you know, especially like if you get like a nice, like really, like if you ever had like really whole grain, like rye bread or something, or you know, really strong rye whiskey or something. It's very, very kind of overwhelming if you're not a fan of it. Mm-hmm. I think that this is a really good, well balanced rye indie pale ale, and I would definitely recommend it. My first excursion with Monument. Um, but definitely would check them out again. Yeah, that was no. I liked it. Yeah, it's a style that I think's uh, kind of underutilized. You don't get to see, you don't see a lot of like rye pale ales or rye IPAs. No, with the with the style, uh, you know, and how much India pale ales have become so big, the rye element to it, especially, especially with everybody going all fruity now, with like different like what kind yeah, of di- gypsy different fucking fruits can they cram into their beers? You know, nice big bready. Beer like that, it's gonna be like mm. a lot of people are gonna pass. It'd be like a great, like nice Thanksgiving beer. Yeah, sitting there with your mashed potatoes and stuffing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. I definitely would uh, check out more Monument beers. And um, now, where are they in Maryland or the ba- Baltimore? Baltimore. Yep, Baltimore, Maryland. So um, I was just outside Baltimore, so I picked it up. They had a whole nice case of local Maryland beers and. Uh, I believe Duclaw is also out of were Baltimore. At, were you at Wegmans? No, actually. They don't have a – you know what they have? And I'll I'll be damned if I can remember the actual name of it. Kroger's? Nope. Nope. It's uh, fucking like Harrison – Harrison Ellis or something like that is the name of their grocery store. I can't – I can't remember it now. I'm I'm sure that's not correct. I could have they had a right Wegmans down there. Well, they probably do, but the one that we went to that was nearest 
to where the one that was nearest to where we were staying uh, was no, whatever this one was called. And no. I can't remember what it was now. No grand unions. Now? I've got to no, <laughs> no, for sure not. <laughs> but hold on one second and I will find it. Um, it was like something like what I said, like Harrison Piggly Wiggly Eiler or Her- Harris Harris Teeter. That's what it was. Wow, what a name! Harris Teeter is their grocery store name. Yeah, that's awful. That really caught me by surprise. It's not. Uh, it's not called Walmart. Yeah, no. So that was the grocery store, but where I got it from was a liquor store. So do they have completely a, irrelevant? What does it say? Do they have laws like that? Um. You know, I'm not sure, but I did I'm, at Harris Teeter. I don't believe that they had any liquor there, so yeah, probably. Well, if you said it was a grocery store, so they should. Harris Teeter, the grocery store, did not have beer. I went to a liquor oh, store oh, next okay. door to it to get the beer. Okay. So I would assume what, how do, in, how inconvenient that is, too. By the way, probably the rest of the state or the rest of the United States is like. We well, don't no. have it in our grocery stores. I think it's like kind of like a Bible Belt thing, though. Could be, yeah. Which is funny because what 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 do Southerners love? Loving football. What do you got got to do? You got to drink beer when you're watching football. Can't do it. Lord's Day. Yeah. Sabbath. Got to prepare. Got to go Friday. Go to Friday the liquor store. Yeah. Make sure you get out there before they close. God bless our blue laws for being so lax around here. Just can't can't buy anything after two. I love it. After what? Two a.m. Is that what it is? Or two p.m. Two p.m. on 2 Sunday. A, no, two a.m. Two a.m. Two a.m. in the morning. Nine eight o'clock in the morning. Those gotcha. Are, so from eight to two, you can know. buy booze. Yeah. No. I don't even. Doesn't never has affected me. <laughs> so I didn't even know. But yeah. Um, well, you haven't lived. So how how'd you like that? I brought you home a little taste of Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah, it's nice. I wanted to go down there because I want to go to Camden Yards. Yeah. I want to. I want to look at Gary Thorne in the booth and just look at his exasperated look. Like oh, the fucking Yankees hit another goddamn home run again against us. You know they went. Uh, I think like fifteen three. I mean, no, like sixteen. Either sixteen three or seventeen two this year against the Orioles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Destroyed them. It's great. Go Yankees. Makes sense. Um, if you don't know Gary Thorne's third Orioles announcer, yeah, got it. Okay, just wondering. All right, so uh, <laughs> getting back to She's All That. Um, so She's All That, uh, 1999 rom-com, obviously. Uh, the one thing I'd like to point starring out. Starring? Matthew Lillard. <laughs> starring Matthew Lillard from the real world. The end. That's it. That's well, all you need to know. Great episode. Uh, you can get us on. Uh... <laughs> you, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, Matthew Lillard. Big time actor of the nineties. I wouldn't say big time. I would say Not big, big, yeah, big bit play. Yeah, you know? big, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, even his role in She's All That, though he is like what, like fourth build, third build, something like that. He is a bit player in this film. He's more like comedic. He's being stupid, except not yeah. psycho. Yeah. <laughs> but I would. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have started out our show with. Matthew Lillard. Oh, I thought that's right. what you were gonna do. No, I was. I wasn't going oh. that far. Uh, I was saying the the thing about she's all that that I like to point out, especially after having watched it, is that it's a film where you should feel bad about who you are right now, and you should change it. 
based on the whims of someone else so you can be more popular. See, here's the thing. I don't have a problem with that. Because a lot of relationships start off with people saying, oh, that guy's kind of an asshole. But he's cute. I'm going to fix that. Yeah. So yeah. I don't have a problem with that part. The popular part is, you know, stupid, nonsensical. Yeah. But what are most relationships, you know, that like kind of like meet up with incompatible people with them just being like, I'm going to try to fucking, you know, change that. Well, so I'm kind of joking. I'm not I'm not really like criticizing. She's all that for that. I, it's I, a trope. I, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think for sure that there are some problematic issues with she's all that being like, hey, look at. Uh, Rachel Lee Cook right now. She's wearing suspenders. She's completely dungarees. <laughs> she's completely ugly. Look, look at her. She's got paint on her. That's shoes. the biggest problem. That's, see, that's the bigger problem about like I'm going to change somebody. It's more like they have the audacity to be like this girl who would meet every society's like standards of pretty ugly. Yeah. That, no, it, it's all, a, it's a deal. It, all because she doesn't show a little cleavage. It's a it's a big deal in this film. I th- I think that there are some definitely some concerned with that but i think more so like i'm I'm just kind of making a joke here but i i do think that it is a little funny that this is a a a movie that sort of takes rachel lee cook and says listen you're fine you're okay and you know you're doing well in school you're a great artist blah, blah 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 but guys don't like you so you know what you need to do you gotta change yourself a little bit so that guys do like you and like you're saying, Rachel Lee Cook in this film, not ugly. N- no one would ever. They have didn't said, try. They didn't try. No one. Yeah, no one would ever have said Rachel Lee Cook in this movie is ugly, or like you know, yes, maybe she's maybe she's a a klutz, maybe she's a mess. Her maybe. mom fucking died, Freddie Prince Jr. Okay, so maybe bitch, lay, give her some slack on that. Bitch, bitches about the environment. But no one would ever say. Rachel Lee Cook in this movie is ugly. And I do think that it's just a little bit funny that she's all that, that people flocked to it. They were like, you know what? You're right. I do need to change she, for other people. See, the difference, too, is like, so it's the pretty in pink of the 90s, right? Molly Ringwald at least has like an every, like a girl next door quality about her. Rachel Lee Cook does too, but no, nowhere near is like Molly Ringwald. Yeah. No, for Nowhere sure. Nowhere near like that same line. Like Rachel Lee Cook, she does have those mousy characteristics, but I wouldn't say she's like the girl next door type. No, especially with like you know, like once once like they like do like their her nineties like, hairdo. And yeah, stuff. and then once Freddie Prince Jr. brings that slinky red dress in, God, how creepy! <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. goes to was like he, was he dressing up and like trying? Like, yeah, he goes to uh, what would have been a big like dress store at the time in the nineties. What would the J.C. Petty. I guess. Maybe. <laughs> I feel like there would have been something else for the rich hoity-toity class, though, to go to. But whatever whatever that store was, and I can't think of the name of it, Freddie Prince Jr. was there after school, and he was like... How do you know her size? Yeah, right? Was he, was, like, he just was like... Well, he's been with so many women, he's eyed up, you know, like, you know, her bust is... She's, know, her bust she's is extra right. petite. Uh, so he just went to the store, and he was like, you know what? I'm looking for a nice dress for my lady... And he was just... And even, see, even your wife said that's, you know, like, I'm like, Ryan did that to you before he started, like, actually officially dating. Would you, would, would you find that, like, oh, thank you, or would you be creeped out by that? She's like, I'd be totally creeped out by Well, that. you know what the thing is, though, is that, like, basically, Freddie Prince Jr. is assuming, listen, I'm rich, 
Get your ass in this dress. It, well, yeah, but I'm I'm rich. Rachel Lee Cook is poor in terms of the film because she has a guy, a dad who who uh, fixes pools, so a, she's obviously poor. Which, by the way, being like somebody who fixes pools, it's not like I'm not saying you're raking in the money. That's good, but it's, oh okay, yeah, it's a good paying job, well, yeah, especially sure. if you live in like Southern California, well, where everyone's got even the, the poor father. Got a fucking in ground pool. Yeah, you know. But it, but Freddie Prince Jr. is thinking, you know what? She's not she's not rich enough to even have good clothes. So I'm going to buy her one. That's why she's wearing. That's, I'm gonna that's why her. she's wearing those overalls. They're stained in paint. Uh, I'm going to bring her a nice dress. That's what he's saying. And so obviously she's flattered by it. But in real life, you'd be like, you're a fucking creep. Would you find that attractive too? Just showing up at like your doorstep every day, like annoying you, like hey. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd stop by. Hey, I thought you'd stop by. I told you I was busy cleaning today. I hired some kids to clean for the house today. Here you go. Where no, we going? Where you said he hired kids. He, he hired skinheads. <laughs> the two guys that I come were, in. I'm pretty sure I saw Edward Norton in the background. Yeah, you know, The two guys that come in is like, one guy is completely shaved head <laughs> and with like super baggy shorts and shirt. And the other guy comes in and is... Also has a shaved head. Is wearing a fucking wife beater. They're skinheads. He hired skinheads <laughs> off the street. I, I, I I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I saw Edward Norton in the background. Just yeah. <laughs> but no, like, yeah, no, you're right. It's it's totally creepy. Though to be fair, Freddie Prince Jr. is kind of creepy in this film. Well, he's got cre- he's got creepy eyes, just like. <laughs> well, obviously, the whole premise of it—that there's a bet that you're gonna fix this girl. And get her to be prom well, queen we, in six weeks. Well, we better start off. It's because Freddie Prince Jr., his po- also ultra-mega-popular girlfriend, breaks up with him because of a nice tryst she had on spring break with Matthew Lillard. I love it, too. <laughs> I love the storyline of how she delivers this news. Like, yeah, we, we I forget what we did. We just did so we, much. It was we, all, we fucked we, so much. Look, it was a blur. I know, I know. We fucked so, which is kind of, just, just imagine Matthew, like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. Just, and she's probably looking in the mirror of himself, you know, at himself. Like, yeah, man, fucking awesome, He's man. looking at the tattoo of himself he got. But yeah, I, I love that delivery. And d- just, down in Daytona Beach. The yeah. C, not even the B list, the C list of, you know, they, you know, spring break spots, and they're not in Cancun on MTV One. They're not like you know, like, like on MTV Three, if that yeah. was even a thing in 1999. I don't know for a spring break. Yeah, because remember how big of a thing they used to be? Yeah, they air spring break on MTV. Absolutely. Shut, sh- fucking. Shut. How do you think I jacked sh- off most of the time? <laughs> <laughs> shut down the channel for a week just for like Jerry Springer here down in Cancun, you yeah. know. When it wasn't Girls Gone Wild infomercials on Comedy Central at 2 a.m., it was the MTV Spring Break coverage. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just love the delivery of that. But yeah, that sets off this whole bet in motion. And when, it's funnier in like hindsight now, too, just because like being 20 years later, like, just how fucking ridiculous. And even at the time, like they're, like, they're playing it like straight, but also like they're making fun of that whole thing, too. But it's even funnier now in hindsight because it's like, I don't even think you think the real world's still a thing. Yeah, right. It was season two of the real world in this in this film, and that was like 1999. So I, it is a thing, and but it's more. I, like, have you ever watched a season of the real world? No, I only watched. I think one. I've seen I've seen bits and pieces. See, I but. only watched one season of the real world. It's like back in 2005 or six. Is like Real World San Diego, but I used to all and 
Road Rules 2 was, if you remember Road Rules. Is, yeah. I never watched really, I only watched the real world, San Diego. Never watched a season of Like nothing Roman. happened to it. But I always watched the challenge, Road Road uh, Road Rules versus Real World. <laughs> yeah, that's still a thing. I used to watch that all the, like every time they'd have a new season, me and my, my sister, sister's now obsessed with it. Me and my sisters would watch like, you know, Dave Mira, before, you know, before he killed himself, uh, rest in peace, you know, host, you know, hosting like, you know, like the challenge and shit and like, yeah. I don't know why. I just always watched it with my like, fun time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, so real world in this film is a dated reference, but not only that, but there's a the whole other Birth of reality of, TV right there. Yeah, there's you a whole other You wouldn't have your real wife of real housewives of uh New York and shit because or Big Brother. Big Brother really owes, owes a debt to real world. Amazing race. You're, you and your family used to, you know, go yeah. rape shit over the Amazing Race. But uh, so back to uh, she's all that with um, <laughs> with uh, Taylor. Yeah, Taylor, uh, which is uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s girlfriend, Zach's Zach's girlfriend in that. She's she delivers this bat this news that she's had a romp with uh, Matthew Lillard's character Brock Hudson, Brock Hudson, which is pretty hilarious. I even love that the fact that even Freddie Prince like, what kind of fucking name yeah, is Yeah, right. Is Brock Hudson. And she's like, what kind of name is Zach? Yeah. Zach Siler says, what kind of name is Brock Hudson? Um, is that a Pokemon gym leader? <laughs> but it, uh, it sets in motion this, the bet that Zach and um, Dean have. Dean Sampson. With his nice Jan Sport bag. You knew you had good money, or at least, you know, your parents were trying to pretend if you were in school in the 90s and you had a Jan Sport bag. It was like $70. They weren't fucking cheap. No, they were no. not. And they, obviously, they lasted. But, uh. I should thank my parents one of these days, like, you know, thank you. For, you know, for getting the Jan Sport bag? That I would later go to draw on, you know. <laughs> And get one like every. <laughs> so you didn't you didn't say though with Dean Sampson played by Paul Walker you didn't say rest in peace on that. No, because you know you what Dave, he, you gave Dave Mira a shout out, but you didn't. Yeah, because you know what Paul Walker is a poor man's Sean William Scott in this film. He saw American Pie. He saw Stifler. He's like, oh, that's what I gotta do. Well, you know what? At least he doesn't spell his name with two ends <laughs> like Sean does. It's a completely incorrect spelling of Sean, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, so it's such a motion. At least one of them still has a career. <laughs> well, the other one's dead, so I, exactly. I hope the other one. I hope they Sean William Scott has a career <laughs> over Paul Walker. Um, but it sets in motion the whole bet that you know Freddie Prince Jr. can fix up Rachel Lee Cook by the time the prom comes around, make a prom queen. Uh, beat out Taylor Vaughn as I the, do. I do love the fact that when they're looking at other girls. Like one girl walks by, was like, "Oh, she had made they have a nice rack, and it's a little bit lopsided and curly hair, but we could fix her up." She's literally like walking three feet in front of her. Like, <laughs> she's like look behind her and like smack him in the face, like you asshole. She's like, uh, "That's just Zach. That's just Zach being Zach. That's just he's Zach. the hottest boy in the school." Uh, he looked at me. Um, but yeah, this this whole bet is. Basically, a pretty in pink ripoff, and they ex- so Freddie Prince Jr. immediately sets out to change Rachel Lee Cook by like stopping by as she's like talking to people on campus, as everybody is just sort of like outside Hanging out of on class. The quad. Yeah. No class. This quad is huge, by the way. 
That quad is huge. There's only like one class a day at this school. You only, you go to like your one class. They you have a s- campus DJ. <laughs> they have Usher. Yeah, Usher, play, hanging Usher out plays campus. the campus DJ. That's his role. He's got no name. He's just the campus DJ giving warrior s like the warriors s bites. Like, ooh, Zach tried to do something today, but Laney shot him down. Let's see if Zach can rebound from this as he goes downtown tonight. Well, I think the most hilarious thing is like this campus, this massive forty thousand student campus has like. Uh, news traveling like wildfire about Zach through the I school. I just love the idea that Pete, like, this is another trope that I love, I love and hate at the same time with, like, rom-coms and high school films like this. Like, oh, he's the most popular, and he's the most popular girl. I mean, she's the most popular girl. You ever think back to high school and be like, oh, that person's so popular, I just want to be like them. Honestly, I don't, like you were saying, I don't remember I don't, I don't remember popular people. I don't remember prom king and queen. I have no idea about it. Like, I, I guess that shows, like, I wasn't a popular kid. Well, great. Like, I mean, I we, had, prom we, only, king. we only had 74 kids yeah, in the so, But yeah. even so, but I, it's, it's, I don't remember it. So we're kind of an outlier because yeah. we're not, like, one of these big schools. Oh, but, no. Because at the same time, we really didn't have cliques at our high school because we're so... We all, like, you know, because, uh, like, the typical, like, if you're a jock, you're stupid. But if you look at, like, everyone that was, like, played sports and stuff, they were all. Yeah. I mean, I finished, like, 13th, I think, in our class, and I had, like, a 92 average overall or yeah. something. And, I mean, honestly, like, in our school, too, like, I cannot relate to She's All That because our school would fit into, like, the one classroom on this campus of She's All That. Like, She's All That is bigger than my college. That I went to. <laughs> it's true. She's all that's high school is like the biggest massive thing I've ever seen, and I've never probably set foot on a campus like that. Yeah, I've even like I've been to RPI, I've been that, to MIT. What's this? This super, is a fucking crazy camp, what's high that, school. What's that superintendent make? Yeah, right. You know, like yeah. what? Like what are they bringing home with that that campus? This is a that, massive. That campus. campus is like a fucking bodega. Like the way, like how like extravagant and shit it is. You know, not only that, but the parties are out of this world at this school. There's like literally mansions of parties. Just like you don't have to worry about it. Go, you know, if you're homeless, just go live in this other person's mansion. They won't even know you're there. It's that big. Got so many rooms. It's just like you know. Don't yeah, you? <laughs> just go stay in one. You're fine. And so that's why, I guess that's why in the, in the film's world, Rachel Lee Cook's character, Lainey, is quote-unquote poor. Well, that's why I love in, in Not Another Teen Movie, where they actually make uh, Janie, <laughs> Janie Briggs, you know, the uh, Lainey equivalent in Not Another Teen Movie. That's why I like that they actually make her dirt poor, and like her dad's... Uh, Ray Quaid, and he doesn't have a job. He's just drunk all the time. <laughs> she's like, oh, you're going to look for a job, Dad? He's like, no, I'm probably going to go home, get drunk, not do anything. Which is the furthest thing, because Kevin Pollack works hard. He knows all about kidney pools and pool filters. If there's ever an actor to be like, why are you in this film? Kevin Pollack? Probably the king of the 90s. Do you know who Kevin Pollock is? I, not really. He's a stand-up comedian. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't really know him Fam- from anything else. He's a stand-up comedian, famous for his Shatner act, uh, Shatnerian okay, I could see that. Uh, impressions. Um, his most famous role would probably be in Usual Suspects. Suspects. Okay. 
as one of the burglars. Yeah, and that's say, another film where you're like, why are you, why are you in this? As great as he's in, as he is in it, it's kind of like, why are you in this? Uh, okay, I know him. He plays Cupid in the Santa Claus too. <laughs> I know him now. No, I'm just kidding. I, he didn't really. Uh, I, he looks familiar, but I, he, he he's really, in a lot of stuff. But yeah. he's always he's never really like he's never like a like a star. Because even like the usual suspects, not a star. He's just like a kind of one that's part of the supporting cast. Yeah, but he's in constantly in films. Like, why are you in this? He's a, great stand- one. he's a great stand-up comedian. Yeah, I, I think he's funny, but, you know, I, like, have a thing for Shatner, you know. And, and this is another movie where you're like, why is he in there? He Basically, all that Kevin like Pollock's here to do is deliver the lines where it's like, Laney, you need to... Pumpkin nose. Yeah. Laney, you need to go out and have some fun, because you've been a real bummer. <laughs> And I fucking fix pools for a living. I was once a 17 year old boy too. You know what a 17 year old boy wants? Hand jobs. Basically, that's what he's setting up. Go out and give Freddy a hand job. He's constantly being like, I'm going to leave the room. You guys have fun. Go out out on the lawn so I don't hear the moaning. (laughs) Uh, Or he's like, You know, it must be tough to not have your mom around to teach you how to give a blowjob. Little little incest porn there for you. B- blossoming part of porn culture right now. Blossoming? That's in full bloom. It's, Ma- been, it's Ma- been in full bloom since the 70s. Mom and not daughter. <laughs> uh, encounter the plumber. Abbott, but no, and, I mean, Abbott and Costello. I mean, it, it is funny because, no, you're right because he is kind of like, you know, listen. Yeah. You're a little wound up too tight. Yeah, right, basically. And he's like, which I don't think, which the whole thing, like, she's got to change. I don't think she changes because of Freddy. Like, I, okay, let me rephrase that. I don't think she changed because Freddy's making her change. I think she changes because Freddy changes her. That is true. Uh, you're right. She changes. It's not like he forces her to be. You're right. You're right. Like, you know, about, look actually, like a pop. Actually, she does it because she's. Finally, getting affection, you know, attention from a boy. Yeah, it doesn't happen. I don't think it happens to matter that he's the popular school president, and you know, I don't think any of that shit matters. No, it's just the fact that, like, you know, or even losing out to the prom queen. She doesn't really care that much about losing out because she realizes, like, I'm not the prom queen. I don't, I don't care about that. So you're right. I think that the film has in its mind, though. Produced by the Weinsteins, so obviously some issues there right away when you see that. Hey, only one of them. Yeah, but um, I think that the film itself does have some good intentions because you're right, Freddie Prince Jr. I can see why he was a heartthrob in 1999. Good looking guy. And your this wife film, was all over. Oh yeah. In this film, he does not come across as some sort of like scummy guy. That's even even at the beginning when the bet takes place, he doesn't come across as a guy who's like, um. Just doing it because he wants to win this bet. He actually seems like a nice guy, and he's like he's like thinking about her best interests. So he's saying, "I think he thinks so." He'd be by elevating her up, he's helping her out. Yeah, that's true. Which is stupid because again, you get that one of my favorite parts of the whole film is like in the beginning when he's walking through the halls and he looks at and he, there's a fucking picture of him. He checks it out and he's looking at it. it. Give it a lie. You know, that's one of the best parts too about not another teen movies when Chris Evans is walking through the hallways and he sees the picture of himself and he looks at it and he's like, "Yeah, it's me." Then three seconds later, he walks down the hall a little bit further and he sees another picture. And it's a picture of him looking at himself just from three seconds ago. And he's like, "That was me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I actually do think that like they made 
Freddie Prince Jr. likable here. They could have gone with like the whole jock who's really a dick in, in school and um, he finds himself trying to change his girl. But they didn't. They actually made him a fairly likable person throughout the film. Because he's actually kind of trying to – but he – okay. He's scummy because he, by the fact that he's just trying to get with her. Yeah, and then take the bat, obviously. But he, at the same time, he's doing it by means by trying to get to know her. Yeah. So he's – like the first thing they do together is they go to an art – like her art performance. Yeah, he her. puts in the time. He puts he puts in the effort. You got to say yeah. – and then not only that, he learns something about himself too. Yeah. Like he learns he, that he's like that he's an <laughs> improvisational hacky sack. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it's you know, it's kind. Of, I think it's kind, you know, kind of uh, turning your expect. You know, I I think they did a good job of that. I, I joke about the fact that the film is like change yourself so that people like you. It's not really like that. It's it's more about both sides finding out that they're like the people that they are aren't really the people like they've been hiding their true selves, especially like as you get towards the end of the film, when Lainey's at prom and her, her art teacher comes up and says, you know what? You've unlocked something about yourself. Well, Whatever think, you've too, done. I think too, those kind of shoehorned in, like they're kind of trying to like, Oh, because of her mother being out of the picture, she's trying to play, you know, be a mother. And that's why she's kind of hidden herself, you know, from being sociable and stuff. It's kind of shoehorned in. Yeah. But it works. It works. You know. I, I was fine with that. It, 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 you know, it makes sense that, like, you know, she doesn't want to do things and stuff because she just wants to be with her dad and, you know, watch over her brother. But at the same time, they do kind of shoehorn it in because the way, like, that whole conversation between her and Freddie goes is, like, kind of, like, cringeworthy when he's like, how'd she die? Yeah. <laughs> you know? It was all of a sudden, oh, it was like, uh, oh, it's a painting of my mother. Yeah. It's like, oh, how'd she die? Oh, she's beautiful. Well, that's... Some things don't run in the jeans. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Like, you know. Yeah. You don't have a lazy eye. <laughs> I, mean, I But I, I think that they do shoehorn that in. But I, I did like it. Because, again, like I said, it's not just about changing Lainey to be someone that she's not. It's changing Freddy. It, it changes Freddy. It changes Lainey as well. But just more so Lainey recognizing, like, this isn't really who I am. Like, I've been hiding myself. I've been, I haven't been living it up like I should be. I've been high school. basically a house frau uh, <laughs> doing the laundry for my dad. And, um, you know, so I, I get that. And I think I, I was sort of mocking she's all that. But it's not really like. She's the in-between. She's not popular. She's not, you know, she's. Yeah. She's your epic girl. She's, she's like. Again, your girl next door. Yeah. She's she just a, needs, and she's fine with that. Yeah. And, and that's perfectly acceptable. And then you have the other sort. Because honestly, what does the guy want more? The really hot girl that they're going to be intimidated by for the rest of their life, afraid of losing with the girl next door. Yeah. And then, then you have Taylor Vaughn, Jody Lynn O'Keefe's character. What a name. Who, <laughs> just, who is, just rolls off the tongue. Jody Lynn O'Keefe. Who is kind of hilarious because at the end of the film when Freddie Prince Jr. gives his uh, acceptance speech for the being prom king, he basically says, like, you're going to forget about this. And, like, you've hit your peak, uh, Taylor. And he, like, basically looks at her side-eyed. Like, you hit your peak. As, as the fast kids yeah. sitting there, you know, winded, trying to explain <laughs> yeah. what's going on. I, you know? did, I did like and that, though. He's like, basically, this well, is your peak. It, You're it, not going anywhere. Well, again, because it, and it's actually a really cogent point, too. Because as we brought up earlier, like, we don't remember who was prom king and queen. No idea. And we, again, we, we both went. And it was, like, a, again, a school of set, our graduating class, like, 74 kids. 
Couldn't be bothered to remember. Don't you know. know what? It doesn't doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Don't don't care. Don't invest. And that's something I kind of wish too about like looking back at high school too. Like you know, studying so hard doesn't fucking. I shouldn't even bother. <laughs> shouldn't even bother. You know, yeah. th- does it matter? No, because you know what. As, as you long know as, what though? Because if you have enough money, you're going to college anyway. If you had studied harder, maybe you would have gotten into Dartmouth. Maybe you would have gotten into Yale. Just like Freddie Prince. My Prince parents Jr. had no way the credit rating to ever sign yeah. off on a loan for an Ivy League school. Basically, if you had submitted your application, yeah. they just sent you a credit check in the mail. <laughs> like, like uh, sorry. Uh, your credit think, score doesn't pan out. Yeah, we don't think you can pay. Yeah, no, no. But no, so, I mean, you know, it's actually, I think, again, it's a good message. Don't take high school so seriously. Well, that, and that, not only that, but also, like, the message with Freddie Prince Jr. as a character, too, is that, like, he really doesn't know if he wants to go to Dartmouth or Yale or any of those prestigious schools. Which, at the same schools. time, it's kind of hard to, his plight's kind of hard to sympathize with. It is, yeah. Like, the whole, like, I don't know. Because my, you don't know what it's like to have your dad be like, go to Dartmouth when you have, like, you were accepting every Ivy League school. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like, you out of all the people have, like, nothing to complain about. Just pick. <laughs> or don't pick. And who cares? You, 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 know what? You, could, you could take a sabbatical for the year, and guess what? You'd still get in. Because, again, the thing is, Freddie Prince Jr. is not your stereotypical jock's heartthrob. He's class president, which, again, is always something I found funny, too, because why did they make it like, oh, he's class president? I don't give a shit about who class president was at our school. No, Just I don't. thing. But he's also, he's like the fourth in his class. He's not valedictorian, salutatorian. But he's... But he's up there in a class of, like, 20,000 kids, so... Yeah. You know, if he decided, like, you know what, I need to find myself and take a year off, take a sabbatical, he could still reapply to all those whatever school, or, he, and he'd get in. Or, like, he decides, go to art school. <laughs> After one hacky sack <laughs> performance, he's like, you know what, I'm going to the New York school, you know. Yeah, New- this performing <laughs> arts school. Uh, I was really good at improvisational hacky sack. I just... I, it just drops. It's going to drop eventually. It has to drop sometime. <laughs> The hacky sack has to drop. That whole thing just makes me think of like the Willy Wonka bit where they're going down the chocolate river into the next section and he's giving that speech. Yeah. That's what it makes me think of. It's just, just put that music over there <laughs> and just, you know. Uh, it's a good moment though. I like I I like I think the comedy really works in She's All That. I think it's a funny movie. Um and it's also aided now, looking back on it, you know, almost, what is it, 20 years later? It's been 20. 20 years. Uh, looking back on it with, like, all of the very 90s things that it has. Beepers. Um, outfits. Yeah, yeah, the outfits. Outfits the, and the hair. Spice, Spice Girls outfits. Outfits and, like, haircuts are totally 90s. It's, um, it's great. The, the, Which, by the way, when you said when, when Lainey got her hair did up... Oh, yeah. You were like, oh, no. I'm like, I like that. It is very 90s. I love flip, it. Flip Bob. Yeah, I love that. It's great. Um, you it have... It needs to be brought back. That's, have that's totally great. All of the 90s music. And not only that, but the, the 90s one. High, school mu- high school TV show guitar stings, which Damn. are great. The, the, Damn, the, the guitar man. riffs. The best part that you forgot to m- mention is Sixpence None the Richers yeah. Kiss Me. Yep. That song was going to live in the, the in featured song of this movie forever, which I thought I remember being played like a lot longer. It was actually just for that very small part where we get that very famous Laney walking down the stairs, mm-hmm. you know, and 
slinky little red dress that Freddie picked out for her because she's a creep. I don't know how Freddie knew it, but he knew how to highlight those boobies with that dress. He was just like, you know what? I think she's got a nice dress. That's the, that's the funniest part of the, about this whole film. It's like, because she wears overalls, like her titties are, you know, hidden. And like, like oh, I don't know. And then like Paul Rudd by this year in the, her onesie bathing suit at the beach. And like, oh my God, she's got boobies. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's funny because it's just like, you know. I just think of like South Park. Autos. <laughs> Autos. Yeah, yes, Autos. These Autos will soon control your life, son. You must learn to adjust to them. Autos? Autos. Ever watch that episode? No. Baby gets boobs. Oh. No. The student, ba- girl, the blonde hair girl, baby, she gets boobies. Gotcha. Fourth grade and... Um, all the boys start acting like cavemen and going, ah, toss and drawing them. They start fighting over them. And Randy has to, at the end of the episode, like, yes, boobies, son. You will learn to be able to control your passion for boobies, but it'll always be there. And like, ah, toss, No, I haven't seen that. It's a great, it's a great South Park. That's classic South Park right there. Gotcha. Yeah. It's like 2006. Uh, one thing that I, di- <laughs> I like too about this movie is that we get to see. Kieran Culkin, the eighth Culkin brother, the unmentionable Culkin. (laughs) It's it's disturbing how much he looks like and sounds like Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, I mean, especially in this film where he's young, he's he's like probably what eleven, twelve. I would say like fourteen. Fourteen. I don't know. I'm bad at gauging how old he was. Um. But yeah, this was like his like eighth film. Obviously, some of the other ones that he'd done were small roles. Home Alone, he was fuller. The one that went to bed. Yeah, that's he, right. he doesn't look anything like Macaulay in that one. No, he doesn't. No, he he kind of. But here with the hair, I think with the haircut, they were trying to make him look like Macaulay. Like like. Oh, uh, that's actually pretty interesting too, because in She's All That, there is a a shot. Of um, the book Cider House Rules, Macaulay or um, not Macaulay, Kieran Culkin was in the Cider House Rules in 1999. Ooh, ooh, irony right there. Mm, that's not, you should know better. You're in. That's ironic. That's not ironic. It is ironic. That's not. I'm they, not sure which one they shot. I mean, I'm maybe he had already been. Maybe he had already shot Cider House Rules. I'm sure he sort did. of. I'm sure he did. I there. don't think that's coincidence. Pretty crazy. Um, was interesting to see. I thought was uh, Anna Paquin in this film. She's very young. She looks very young, at least. And I almost didn't recognize her because of the. I feel like, and I don't. This is kind. Of, I guess this is kind of mean to say, but I feel like her gap tooth is not as prominent in this movie as it becomes as she gets older. Perhaps she grew into her mouth. I, well, I don't I know. I was going to say, that'd make more sense. Yeah, I mean, that, she, it makes sense. I don't know how old get, she was that, in 1999, but... Say, that's why you get braces, you know, because yeah. it's going to spread But away. I almost didn't recognize her because of that. But I did think it was interesting to see her in this film uh, and see her, like, at a young age. Because I just like how it's vaguely hinted that she goes to, like, a Catholic school or something. Yeah, because she's wearing, like, the whole suit and tie and... Talks about going to, you know... Being all girl school, school. And yeah, just a horned up little tenth grader. Yeah, yeah. She's she's only what like a year or two younger than her brother. 
I would say like two, three years. Yeah, because well, I mean, they're not the the older she, the younger she gets, the creepier it is that Lainey's friend, the guy that we pretty much only know from the film as being fat, and, is interested in having offspring colored blonde hair. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> just, yeah. Um. I mean, it just makes that, that relationship a little bit creepier the younger she gets. Yeah, no, because if he's a senior in high school and she's like ninth grade. And, you know. Yeah, it's, it's still kind of young. I know, but it's, yeah. still, it's more acceptable than if he's like 20, you know, 24 years old. I do like and also feel bad for the guy that played him. Because literally every scene is like, look how fat this guy is. He's, he's supposed to be like the fat Anthony, you know. The fuck? From the 80s. Uh, I don't know what you're talking Anthony about. Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's supposed to be, a, like, I he's feel, supposed to be the fat head. I, I just feel like in every scene, it's basically like somebody slapping a twinking away from him. Or he is breathing heavily because yeah, it's well, like I said, he, I, he pushed I said, through a crowd. Well, I said that too when like Lainey first shows up and... He's sitting there in his locker, and he's got like a ho ho in his hand, and you're like, "Get the!" And she's like, "Get that out of your hand!" And he, I thought you were supposed to lose weight. He's like, oh, "I just want to eat the things that I like." And I'm like, "That's Ryan. That's you telling me like, hey, you're a fat ass. Stop it." That's not true. It's, it is true. Mine's out of love. Make sure that you're... you don't think they're, they've been friends longer. <laughs> no, but I just I do feel bad. I always feel bad for the people in films where it's like. Oh, you're fat. You're absolutely hideous and well, fat. I was say, that's where the joke is. It's like, oh, you're fat. Because what it is, like, at the end, when we get to the prom, he's running around. And the girl's like, say it. Come on, say it. He's like, she can't say it? Honestly, he's winded. Just say it, you know? Don't be a bitch. Yeah. It's actually, like, and it's, I mean, I, do, I always feel bad about that. Like, because, like, those people are... Like they're playing the character, they're playing a character, but they're also like being mocked in themselves. Like you got chosen just because you're fat. Yeah, basically, I do like like that brings me back to Home Alone. Like in Home Alone, when uh, Macaulay Culkin looks at Buzz's girlfriend, the picture of like the the girl that he sees, and he goes, "Woof, that's actually not a girl." So like they were like feeling bad about casting somebody for that role specifically. So they're like. No, we're not well, going to cast anybody that for that. Well, isn't that the most John Hughes fucking dive down like trivia lane that you could possibly throw there? Yeah. Hey, if you know in the picture that you know Home Alone. Yeah. God damn you. Yeah. It's, it's like the producer's son or something like that. I just I, I don't even remember. I like I, remember I like stories wolf. like that because it's like no, we didn't want to completely humiliate someone for no reason, so we actually we cast somebody that would look ridiculous and well, then you know what. Everyone's fair game, so. No, I know. I just. No, I understand. But feel like, bad but, for. But, but he, I think his name. What is his name? Eldon Hansen. Henson. Is that his name? Is that him? He, oh, yeah, wow. Eldon he Henson. looks like he went on to be a serial killer. Right? <laughs> 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 actually, it looks like he had a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, acting career. Actually, he's been in Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones. So he's been in all of the Netflix series. Isn't that a good thing they all got canceled. Yeah, but I mean that's still a pretty good. Career moving on from She's All That. So. Moving on from how dare you? I'm just saying. I mean, this is the film well, of the nineties. I'm not I'm not saying that She's All That was a bad film to be in. I'm saying that a lot of people in the nineties, you know, especially teen stars, would move on to do nothing. So it's good that he actually got well, you know had what? a career. This after. film is lucky lucky enough to be the launching pad for Usher. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's also lucky enough to... Now, which DJ at your school do you prefer? Usher? Or Tara Reid? I prefer Tara Reid. At least she gives me sexual advice. Yeah, but it sounds so, you know... If you coming from her. Well, it's delivered in like a sort of deadpan, like even if even if I had sex with you, I would be unimpressed. Yeah. Sort of. Usher at least like so, again like Usher's performance in this reminds me of the Warriors. Like he's Usher like, like in it, this film sounds like he's getting constant faxes from the from the um Associated Press. Just so like, they're coming hey, over like, oh, hey, look what, Freddie <laughs> Prince, yeah, Jr. look what Freddie Prince Jr. just did. Uh-oh, here comes Paul Locker doing shady things. It reminds me of, like, when I was at my uh, my dad's work, when he worked at the radio station, we were getting constant faxes from the Associated Press about Princess Diane dying. <laughs> this is what it reminds me of, just Not getting, like, just getting like faxes of, like, w- one sentence, like, yeah, <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. did this. Never, uh, Freddie, I never understood why that was a big deal. We're not even going to get into that. I have, I have no idea. No, I'm serious. No, I know. We're Americans. Why do we care if the the freaking Princess of Wales died? Oh, here's a question for you. Do you like Freddie Prince Jr. better in She's All That or I Know What You Did Last Summer? She's All That. Do you find him more attractive in She's All That than in I Know What You Did Last Summer? Mmm, you know what? That's... Hair's a little bit more controlled than I know you did last (laughs) summer. (laughs) Yeah. Little Josh Hartnett-y in this film. You did mention that he sort of has sort of, when he has the gel in, he, it gets like a graying quality it's, to yeah, his no, it's so it, it, it gives him some salt and pepper sideburns. Uh, I was saying, he's got so much like a thick coat of like hairspray in the sides of his hair. It kind of like at certain like angles looks like it's like, you know, he's got gray hair. Um, You know, it's tough. It's tough. Tough pick. You know, in this one though, I, I feel like, and I know what you did last summer, he's not sporting... The constant uh, parade of polos that we get in. She's all that. Well, he's mainly in both the films are wearing Letterman jackets. And the double XL polos. And, you know, baggy pants. Yeah. I think the real question is, Rachel Lee Cook or Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence? Or Jennifer Love Hewitt, my bad. Is that a question? Do you what? What do you <laughs> think my answer is going to be? I know what your answer is, but you're wrong. It's Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, by yeah. a country mile. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you're wrong. No. It's Rachel Lee. <laughs> I like. I like this. I like when we've already covered a film and we're like, now it's like she's all that versus I know what you do. <laughs> so, like, yeah, you, you know what's want? You know what's the better film? She's all that. You know who's got the better starlet? She's all that. Mm. I agree with you. The better film is She's All That. And that's interesting. I, I didn't, like, I felt like I would like I Know What You Did Last Summer until we did the show. And I know. Then I was it like, had mm-hmm. Ryan Philippe in it. Yeah. And I was like, eh, yeah, it's not that great. Because you know, Michelle Geller in it. No, you had Ryan Philippe. It's the fateful meeting of Sarah Michelle Geller and Freddie Prince Jr. Combined oh, thought, to make I you meant the Freddie f- Michelle Geller. I thought you meant... <laughs> I thought you meant the fateful meeting between Ryan Philippe and Sarah Michelle Gellar, because then they'd go on to do Cruel, Cruel, Inten- yeah. Cruel Intentions, the second best film of the 90s. No, you know what the best matchup is? And she's all that, because Matthew Lillard and Freddie Prince Jr. go on to make Scooby-Doo. Ultimate Shaggy. Oh, the Ultimate Shaggy. Well, you know what, that meme died after a week and a half. <laughs> so. that's, the, that's, that's the next 
obvious choice that we would make for a new uh, film for next week. Scooby Doo, <laughs> the 2002 film. You know you're still wrong. You know what? Run that up the pole. Rachel Lee Cooker, Jennifer Love Hewitt. I will. I'll try it. I'll see what happens. You know, Melcy's underrated. My pick would definitely be Jennifer Love Hewitt, but uh, I know where you stand. I know where uh, Michael stands, but Jennifer Love Hewitt is thick with two C's, whereas Rachel Lee Cook in here is. I would just say thin <laughs> with with boobies. So Jennifer Love Hewitt. And I do I, feel bad. Now. Jennifer Love Hewitt and I know what you did last summer is not thick. She she's is. Good. No, she's not. I feel bad. You um, you misunderstand I feel, what that word means. I feel bad means. for all the female listeners. They're like, this is turned into a shit show of male chauvinism. It's not chauvinism. I'm just. I'm joking. We're all. We're obviously. We're playing characters of ourselves. <laughs> okay. We're, 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 Alex, Tim, we're Tim we're, and Eric. We're you know. Alex Jones. Yeah, exactly. Hulk Hogan. This isn't who we really are. All right, so you wanted to talk about the prom. Yeah. How can you talk about this movie and not talk about the prom? This is the most ridiculous prom that I've ever seen. I've never seen the scope. Now, one, the, one thing I do love is in other films... I, like American Pie and shit, they kind of take it, take the piss out of prom by like have it be like the most ridiculous. I can't remember what the fuck movie it was, but one of the movies had like Good Charlotte as the band. Mm-hmm. Of like just in prom, just making it be the most outrageous. Yeah, like like shit show. Mm-hmm. Here it's like it's played like totally straight. Like oh yeah, and they're like all doing choreographed dances to check it out now. Oh, oh yeah, you know the most like fucking ninety shit going on. It's great. And at the same time, it's like such a shit show. Like, would you want to go? Like, if you were like, if we were seniors in high school, and like, hey, our prom's gonna be at, like this massive Hilton, and um, there's gonna be like ten thousand people there dancing on the dance floor. Do you want to go? What no. would you say? You'd probably say no. No, I'll stay fucking home. Absolutely not. Smoke two joints, call it a night. Huh? <laughs> you know. I just think it's it's hilarious too because like whenever you see the cars that are in the parking lot. Or at the prom, but also at the party. It's like all convertibles. It's all like well, because it's California. Twenty thousand dollars convertibles for these kids. We're only three years away from California. Here we come, California, with the OC. You know, yeah. Um, It's such a shit show, but I love it. The thing I hate though is just how Laney gets duped into going to prom with (laughs) totally, dude. Fucking Paul Walker here. (laughs) I'm the skeezy skeezy scumbag dude. He's like, I won't do you wrong. Like, really? I think it'd be a little fun to go yeah, to prom together. Yeah, like, one, what happened to his girlfriend that he had in the beginning that we see for literally the opening second? Two, why would she fall? Like, fall, like I know she's doing it to get back at, you know, to get back at Freddie Prince Jr. But at the same time, he was the one that's like, whoa, Lainey. He was just doing it for a bet. And I was like, whoa, dude, I don't want to do that. You it's know? Like, well, that's kind of mean, man. You know, that's totally mean. Playing with girls' heart like people, that. People have emotions, man. Did you see how he folded his fucking knickers up? <laughs> you know he can't be trusted. Yeah. It's, it, that part to me is just kind of like, I would have rather seen her not go to prom. Yeah. Just be like, no, fuck both of you, whatever. Especially since because her dad must be having some really strange thoughts about his daughter. Because two random guys show up at her house. 
Well, at least Freddie Prince has been there now for like six uh, six weeks, but that six weeks seems like three days, you know? Yeah. Like, this all happens over the course I, of three days. I just like how her dad's like, you know what? There's a handsome man upstairs waiting for you. You should go to prom. He's like, yeah, he's kind of a rapist. He's yeah, like, you know what? <laughs> give him a hand job. You know what? If he forces himself on, you're just... Here's an air horn. <laughs> Which, but they play that too. That's the worst joke of the whole fucking film, too. Just the whole, at the end, when we see Freddie, she comes back from prom after we know that, you know, Paul Walker's big plan is to take her to the fucking hotel room and fuck the shit out of her. And she just comes home from prom. We don't know what happened. She comes home from prom and dad's like, oh yeah, there's a boy here for you. She's like, what? And Freddie Prince is there. And she's like, yeah, I had to use the air horn on him, this air horn. I keep it on, be, you know, someone tries to commit sexual harassment. That's a big thing. Which, by the way, what Paul Walker was planning on doing, not sexual harassment. That's rape. <laughs> yeah, straight up sexual assault. <laughs> that's, you know, yeah. we, that's uh, not, you know, that's not sexual harassment. That's like, oh, I, that. The, the, that, film, you know, the film does have kind of like a laugh about it. Just like, you know what he was going to do to me? <laughs> Yeah, he he tried to put his fingers in me. <laughs> you know what, though? I sprayed my air horn. It's all good. It's all good. Pop that air horn out, blew his eardrum out. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, they kind of play it off as like a lighthearted laugh, which makes sense for a Weinstein film. And, <laughs> and they're, and, and. Good for the night. Kosher for the night. Yeah, yeah, and they're just like, you know what? Sexual assault. It's a fun time. You know what? It's just normal in school. Everyone goes through it at some point. Look, just, as, we, as we brought up, you bring your well, bear. I, mean, I was say, as we brought up, uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s dad, he looks like, you know, he had some good times drinking some brewskis with Brett Kavanaugh. You yeah, know? yeah. It's, it's just like, you know what, it, everybody goes through this. You bring your bear mace, you, <laughs> you bring your air horn. It's all good. But yeah, no, that's literally the, like probably the lowest, not yeah. probably, it is the lowest it's, it's point. It's not a great joke. Just, that has just, not held up well. It's just, <laughs> you know, just, especially too when you get to the like graduation and they're like walking up and you hear Dean going, what? What? When they're calling his name, you're like, you're calling your name. He's like, oh! Yeah. Because he's deaf. Because like, he blasted it with the, like, the fire. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's funny because he's deaf because he tried to rape somebody. Yeah, it's yeah. hilarious. Good times. <laughs> good times were yeah. had by all. Yeah, that's that's good. He later went on to become a senator. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the prom itself is ridiculous. Um, and like I said, like it takes place in like a massive hotel, and then also he, uh, Paul Walker's character pays three hundred dollars for another hotel room to bring Laney back to. Could have just went home. Yeah, to this mansion. This bedroom or whatever. Yeah. It's nuts. But yeah, the prom... Like, the whole film does have an issue with, like, people being able to relate to it from any sort of, like, normal high school experience. Like, Mean Girls has a little bit more of a relatable aspect to it. These people don't really... I mean, obviously, it still does have some of that rich click aspect to it. But most people in that film are fairly normal. Whereas in... In um, she's all that. Like no one is your normal, typical teenager. They, again, they, they they do try. Like I said, they do try to like divide. Like you know, but at the same time, that's what I think one of the flaws in the film. It just doesn't work. Yeah. When like, like you know, you, you, I mean, you no one would even say Laney is like. But then again, the I low think, tier. I think the thing is because it's not like a giant, a huge film where it's like set in Illinois. 
right. somewhere in Chicago. Yeah. Like, we were watching The Breakfast Club, where you can believe Emilio Estevez is really a poor, you know, poor kid who's also a wrestler, who, you know. And, like, you know, Joe, you know, Judd Nelson's yeah. a super poor kid in Molly Ringwald, where you have, like, you know, people look like, you know, and act like they have, like, a certain division between each other. Here, again, like, Lainey's supposed to be, like, the poor kid, but, you know, if she went into our fucking high school, she won't be a poor kid. No. Yeah, yeah I do. I mean, it, I think it's just, like, the division, especially, like, when it, you look at California, like, the, the area that they are in California. It's just... That's the division there. It's like the richer, the richer. She's got a fuck again. It's like she's got an in-ground pool. She's not poor. Oh yeah, no. that's like one of the things that like how like on your checklist. Am I poor? Do you have a pool? Yeah. Is it in-ground? Yeah. And you're not poor. <laughs> you you instantly you know like no no no. That's the checklist like, for the, like the uh, the government's like giving yeah. us you know, no. yeah that's you, like the checklist for Stafford loans. Do you yeah. have an in-ground pool? Yes. Yeah. You don't get a Stafford loan. You don't need it. <laughs> yeah. But I don't have any... No, you don't need it. Got an in-ground pool. It's got steps in it? Yeah, you definitely don't need it. No, no. Brick inlaying? Yep. <laughs> okay. So, um, from one to six pence, how romantic is She's All That? <laughs> one to six Mike Pence's. <laughs> you know, I would probably give it a four. On the romance scale? Yeah. Yeah. Four out of six? Okay. Well, you said six, right? Yeah, yeah, six pence. Yeah. 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 I give it like a four. I think Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie Prince Jr. have a pretty good chemistry. Um, She's definitely carrying the weight of the film. Mm -hmm. Definitely the most, had the most emotional range. But I'll give Freddie Prince, you know, credit for the fact that they gave him enough... uh, character to not be your stereotypical jock douchebag. He's actually, you know... Yeah. yeah somebody they, who's actually thinking outside the box. They did a good you job know? with him. He's not, again, he's not your stereotypical, like, I'm the jack, look at me, look at me. He's like, oh yeah, you know, um, I'm trying to win her over, but I'll, yeah, I'll go to her art show. I'll do, he's willing to do whatever it takes. Which, you know, if you're a guy, you know. Because that's what you... If, if you really are into somebody, you'll do whatever it takes to get there. Yeah. I'd probably give it a four for romance scale uh, as well. I think that, um, you know, there's no like grandiose gesture as in say anything or anything like that. But, you know, you, you, I think more Do you so. you really that, want him standing outside with a fucking boom box? I mean, no, but I, I think that they did a good job making it believable between uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and Rachel Lee Cook. And they make a good couple. And you're just pretty much glad that. Taylor doesn't get anybody. She's a fucking bitch. And that, yeah, well, you know, she's not good enough for Matthew Willard. That's right. He's going on the road rules. Well, you know what? The only person that's good enough for Matthew Lillard is Matthew Matthew Lillard. Lillard. (laughs) Yeah. So. All right. And then um, we got to have a scale to rate the film itself. Mm. So what would be our scale for this one? A 10. Yeah. Out of ten falafel. Ah, yeah, there you go. Out of ten big ball falafels. Ten big ball falafel hats. What would you give? She's all that. Uh, you're asking me first. You want yes. me to go first on this? Well, yes, because this is this, this is, my is your film, film. so I, I get to go second. Um, I would give the film an eight out of ten. Wow. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Wow, it's, it's a fun film. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it's. 
got a nice dose of comedy, which I wasn't expecting. I didn't think it was going to be as funny as it was. And also as tongue-in-cheek as it was. Obviously, you know, in some ways it takes itself seriously. But in other ways, it does have that sort of parody to it as well that you would get later on with not another teen movie. But um, I, I thought it was a, a very fun film. And I, I enjoyed both Freddie Prince Jr. and Rachel Lee Cook. And I think they do a really good job. Um, the supporting characters are really two-dimensional, but I think they, they add a nice, you know, sort of uh, stereotypical uh, teen comedy aspect to it. Um, and like I said, I think that the theme itself, though I was joking about it, I think it's fairly good. Um, it's not as uh, black and white as what I was saying, where it's like, you know, you need to change in order to be... The, you if know, you watch like the trailer, that's what it comes up. That's what it looks like. But once you get into the film itself, you actually notice that like neither of them change and in, in like change themselves entirely. So Laney's still into art, um, and really they just find themselves a little bit more. Um, so Laney finds out some more about herself and lets herself open up a little bit. And Freddie Prince Jr. figures out like um the choices that he was thinking that he had to make aren't really the ones that he wants to make so he makes his own choice so the the, the idea is that actually you need to find yourself less less so than like change yourself to to make yourself more available to someone else um so i think that's pretty good and i, I that's why i give it an 8 out of 10 i think the themes are good themes are there it's probably one of the better uh 90s team comedies that i've seen and i enjoyed it you're welcome. <laughs> you gave it a higher rating than I was going to give it. Yeah? I was going to um, give it a seven and a half, but right. I'm going to have to give it an eight. <laughs> um, just, just by what you were saying. You don't have to give it an eight. No, no, because you know what? If you're shooting that high, then I, I have to, too, because I think it'd be disingenuous of me to give it a seven and a half. Um, you're spot on. I honestly think, um, in spite of like some problems like... Paul Walker being literally Sean William Scott, like a low, very low rent from straight off American Pie, Sean William Scott. Um, I do think Freddie Prince Jr. and Rachel Lee Cook have pretty good chemistry together. Um, I enjoy watching, you know, the kind of fights they have together, you know, and like and, and how they find themselves. Um, as cliched as the story gets at times, again, there's a lot of jokes in this film that are very tongue-in-cheek cliche. There's, like, jokes that uh, Lainey's friend, you know, the doofus makes, fat kid, that uh, he makes that you're supposed to go, like, <laughs> like, uh, you know, like, when he's talking about, like, oh, but it's, you know, the dolphin safe to him because of blah, 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 and Lainey's like, I don't fucking care. Knee slappers. You know, like, it's, you know, got, like, nice little moments like that where it's, you know, Turning your expectations. I, I love, I really do love the fact that in this film, Freddie Prince isn't your stereotypical male asshole who's, you know, just your, like, I like, well, I got this bet, I'm going to turn this girl into prom queen, and then, you know, I'm just going to be me. He's actually willing to be like, oh, if I'm going to try it, at least, even though, like, we agree that him having this bet to begin with is immoral and douchey. He's at least trying to be like, okay, if I'm going to try to do this, i got to figure out, find out who she is to get her to like me. So he's on the right path of thinking, like, you know, like, well, if I want her to like me, i got to, ha- you know, figure out what she likes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's refreshing because he realizes, like, well, doing that, I'm kind of an asshole. And I also am finding out I like what I'm doing. And I like what I'm finding out about her. And I want to, you know, be with her more. 
And, you know, it's a you know, very nice little tale. Sloppy, yes. Incredibly 90s, absolutely. But I think it's a very enjoyable film. I think the performances all around are great. Even like things like little Kevin Pollock being here for whatever fucking reason, just to say odd uh, Jeopardy lines. It's great. It's an iconic film of the 90s. I think it's kind of getting, now that we're 20, it's been 20 years, now that we're getting past, you know, further and further away from the 90s, I think it's something that's kind of getting a little forgotten. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that should be remembered more and celebrated more. Because it's a lot better than I think a lot of people probably remember. Even though it does, if you look at it, as you said, at its base level, you got to change this person for them to like you. That's what it is at its base core, and it comes off as very corny, cliched, and a fucking terrible idea. But it's got the heart, yeah, and that's what matters. That's right. All right, so that's our she's all that coverage, and that pretty much ends the lightheartedness for the for the next eight weeks. Uh, we're moving into Halloween territory. Obviously, we normally start our Halloween series. Uh, around the beginning of September. Um, Our series is going to start a little bit later than that, but that doesn't mean we're not going to cover Halloween films. It's just that the the way that the scheduling is right now um, is going to push our actual Halloween special, if you will, back a couple weeks. But next week, we are covering... What are we covering? <laughs> uh, we Friday the 13th. Are, yes, that's right. We're covering Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. And Martin says it's the, the last Friday that we're covering as well on the show. Because it because is the last Friday the 13th. It's the last Friday It's the called the final chapter. You can't... Do, how could they do another film after called the final chapter? That would just be lying to your audience. Like with Halo 3. <laughs> it was finished the fight, the final fight. That's right. So Halo 3 was the last game in the franchise. But uh, we're going to do that, and obviously you're wondering why we're doing that. Well, there's a Friday the 13th in September. Unfortunately. The, yeah, this this episode's <laughs> going to hit a week before Friday the 13th, but because of the way it Chapter 2 is scheduled, uh, we are doing Friday the 13th Part 4 first next week, and then we're doing after that it Chapter 2. Because we just don't have, there's no chance to see it chapter two when it releases, and then do an episode on it. So we're we have to kind of switch around the ep- the weeks. We would obviously like to release this Friday the thirteenth episode on Friday the thirteenth, but it's just not going to work out that way. So deal with it. <laughs> listen to the other Friday the thirteenth episodes on Friday the thirteenth. I don't care. Well, that's not on our podcast. Yeah, either. no, that's on the J Movie Talk podcast. Um, which I'll probably which, share again. Well, you should, because you know what? As we, we've mentioned it a bunch of times on the podcast, yeah. how we've reviewed Friday the 13th, 1 through 3, but it wasn't on our show. That's right. It was on Jay Movie Talk. It's on a different show. So, but this time it'll be on ours. Yeah, we'll do it on ours. Um, or you could listen to Friday the 13th, the remake, which we also did last year. We did? Yeah. I must have liked that. <laughs> Uh, then after that, we're starting our Halloween series, which I don't. I'm not going to release the. I'm not going to re- release it yet. I'm going to work on a graphic and everything well, that shows what to, we have. You don't have to tell the movies we're going to do. Give, but a, give a little. The, tell them the theme. The theme. We, as you know, if you listen regularly, 
we do a theme for Halloween. We tried to, yeah. Tried to. Tried we, to do we a We've done a Saw that. Marathon. We did Remake a Ween last year. This year, we're going to do something. So, yeah. We're going to do a little bit different. And, by the way, you're welcome for the idea. Yeah, you came up with the idea. Yeah. Um, we're going to do anthology films. Horror anthology films. Which will be fun, because we can then devote parts of the episode to each of the stories in the anthology. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have fun with that. And I will say that I'm not going to release the names of the films that we're doing yet, but we are going to do them within decades, and we're starting in the 60s. So we have, and I'll just say, we have seven weeks of film to do. We're starting in the 60s, so just brainstorm what we can do. (laughs) Um, we're not going to release the films yet. We ha- we have it all scheduled out, but we're not going to release the names of the films. So that'll be a little bit later as it we get into September. But yep, anthology series starting from the sixties and will doing give a each hint, decade. I will say I will give a hint for one. One of them is one that Ryan thought we did, and it's talked about several times on the podcast. Yeah, as a fa- as a favorite film that he likes for the Halloween season, but we have not reviewed yet. That's right. So that's it. That's all we'll, we'll say about the Halloween season for now. But uh, just so you know, we do have a plan. It's coming up. Hopefully you're listening in to our, all of our Halloween episodes. It's going to be fun. Again, during Halloween, we switch to a weekly podcast series. Um, normally we do bi-weekly, but because of the the whole season and how much it ties into our, our show, we always do a weekly episode. So um, that's coming up throughout september so we're going to start next week it'll be a weekly show throughout september and october uh thanks for listening um we hope to see you back you can subscribe to us on itunes google podcasts stitcher any any podcasting app uh subscribe to us and leave us a nice rating um we're also on facebook and twitter uh just search for us on there blood and black rum podcast um, we have an email address at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, of course, you can donate to us at patreon.com slash bloodandblackrumpodcast. Uh, you can donate anything to us, and it helps us out with our subscription fees and everything for the podcast. So whatever you can donate, uh, we really appreciate. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, we'll see you back next week for our episode on uh, Friday 13th, Part 4, um, the final chapter. And we'll see you then. Take care.